You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 31 of Heart and Soul. We are here virtually together. Chelsea is officially on quarantine rest pre-baby. So we are separated, but I am joined side by side with my, my mother. Hi guys. My mom, <laughs> Marianne Collins. Marianne Collins, AKA Mac. Mac attack. She's uh, gonna be our guest today on this episode. So Chelsea's gonna kinda lead that one since I already know everything about you. You don't know everything. Before we get into who Mac is, let's talk about the best thing to happen in 2020 so far. And that would be Taylor Swift's surprise album, Folklore. It was a prayer I didn't even know that to pray for, but it came true. And it's the only answered prayer I've received in 2020. So I am really excited (laughs) about it. It was quite a surprise. I didn't really know what was going on. I saw like my cousin had posted a screenshot of the thing about cardigan like the video coming out so when I first saw it I just thought it was like a single or a video for like a bonus track or something that I hadn't yet seen and then which would be right which that would have been like amazing too and then my friend Jenna was like no it's a whole album and I was like wait a second what she's oh she's like queen of marketing and like leaving easter eggs and like trails and this was just like completely so it was total surprise and yeah she she announced it like 12 hours before it dropped so like the day before she was like basically said you know i think we all need a little something during quarantine i've i've recorded a 16 track album while oh my gosh and And honestly i was glad that she did it that way because like she didn't make us wait yeah we're already sad. We need we need something fast. And just speaking on quarantine album esque, it is very like the vibe is quarantine, and I think it's what we all needed, like chill, indie, a little sad. It's kind of hitting us in all of our feels. For sure, I haven't listened to it. I have a lot of thoughts, and it's starting to thunder here again. So. Yeah, sorry about the sound quality today. It's storming outside right now. Very nice. Um, what are your thoughts? I really love it. Um, I will say that I, I'm still, like, absorbing it. I've definitely listened to it all the way through multiple times, of course, mm-hmm. since Friday. Um, but I think part of, like, really experiencing an album, you have to listen to it in the car. That's true. I get that. Do you agree? Yeah. I feel like listening to it with like car sound is a whole new perspective. I, I understand that. I've been listening to it like laying down flat on my back with my eyes closed. That was pretty much what I did yeah. on the weekend. That's good. I've kind of been listening to it like as I'm doing things around the house. I haven't really had a moment where I'm just like straight listening. Put, well, I put it in the shower when I'm like, yeah, doing dishes and things like that. Um, so all in all, I love it. I love how there's so many um, 
like old Taylor vibes in it. Mm -hmm. I love that she's like not really trying to do anything. She's not like reinventing the wheel, even though she's like in a totally different genre. She just went for it and nailed it. And there, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot of criticism. I think since I've had time to study the lyrics and all the Easter eggs within them, I think it's probably her best written album to date. I, she has this way of bringing you into a scene like no one else. And like, there's, there's some, there's a few things I want to address. One, her like short descriptors that bring you back in time into a moment, like with, cardigan just for instance since that's probably what someone's heard the most where where she's like but i knew you standing in your levi's drunk under a street light you're like i've been under that street light standing Mm -hmm. in my levi's like you go straight to that moment so one that's my like first first positive critique is it's the best written album she's ever had and it's also the best storytelling she's ever done because it's not just her own stories it's like folklore, which means she just picks up as she hears them and rewrites them into music, which is so good. A lot of people are wondering if her and Joe broke up, but because there's so many like sad songs, but I think she's just pulling I was going to say, I feel like she gets a lot of criticism for like the things that she says and writes about in her song as if they're all like exact personal experiences but like you can pull inspiration for really great music from something that you did not experience yourself necessarily which she's really freaking good at I mean if people think it was her experience that means she's a really good songwriter if it's not like for example um on lover she wrote death by a thousand cuts about a movie called someone great yeah just like oh I watched this movie and got this inspo from it and like the created this whole like narrative in her head and wrote a freaking killer song about it. Plus so. the saddest songs are the best songs. Like yes. everybody likes to cry to sad, sad music and they get, it gets them in their feels. What were your, uh, say, what are your top three? Okay. Um, I will say the only like, I don't know. I think it's brilliant and like the writing and the lyrics are all incredible. I will say that I don't think it's the most, melodically catchy set of tracks well it's not her it's not her usual catchy quote-unquote vibe that's okay that's not necessarily what I was asking for but there's you know there's no like bops on it um there's no like radio singles yeah exactly but I'm okay with that Uh, I like these like indie vibes um so I was trying hard to narrow it down And this is probably still going to ever be ever-changing, but my top three are number one, August, mm-hmm. number two, Exile, and number three, Betty. Good choices. For I have sure. a hard time picking as well, and they're ever-changing, but my number one is the one. Um, <clears throat> my number two is August, and my number three is Peace actually, which I feel like is very underrated and overlooked, but the words in that are on fire. The words, in, the words in peace are all about, like, her trying to test a relationship with, like, a really good human, 
because she feels like she's never going to give him the peace that he deserves. And I'm like, that is me and Michael. <laughs> that was our whole dating relationship. It's like pushing him to see if he, he would break up with me because he's so good. Is it, um, I think it's illicit affairs that gives me, um, really big Regina Spector vibes. Yeah, I can see that. Well, she does like those big jumps from like one note to like a low note to a high note. She goes super high at the beginning of each verse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, I will say too, like it kind of didn't catch you off guard when she says like f bombs. Yeah, twice. Like, she says it in songs. Look, she's a thirty-one-year-old woman. Like she's entitled to cuss on her tracks by now if she wants to. It's just like so not her like Taylor vibe that I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. My mom's now downloading it. She just pulled it up on her phone and goes, is this the album? (laughs) Now that we've bored her completely. I was like, okay, I guess I need to listen to this. Okay. So I'm going to ask a mom question. When you say Easter eggs, you're referring to what? Great question, mom. Um, great question. She leaves little hints. Usually she does it prior to releasing an album where like for months, sometimes even like a year up to releasing an album, if it's like in a picture she posts or a caption she writes or something she wears, she puts little hints on what she's doing in her life to hint towards a song in an album. So So like, especially in her music videos, like in, um, you need to calm down. Yeah. I think, she, did she have like a tattoo or something in that video that had like the lyrics or the title to like the next single? Yeah, yeah. She does little things like, like that. that. There's it's one, like, I can't remember yeah. what song on this album it is, but it's whenever a lyric in the song says West and it's something about like a feud of some sort or an argument and she capitalizes the W in West on the lyrics. Oh. On the video because of Kanye West, like her feud with him. So she like just throws in little like she's genius. She really is. She's brilliant. She really is. And it's not just her. Like you know, she has this like insane PR team behind it. Like, but also her- she is just like her, the way that her mind works is very very novel. Like on on April twenty seventh, so four twenty seven, she posted a photo to Instagram in black and white, which is the theme of this album, that said, it was a selfie of her, and the caption said, not a lot going on right now. All the while knowing that on 724, the opposite of those dates, she was dropping a full album. So is that why people are leaving black and white photos now on Instagram? No, that's like this, uh, I don't know if it's because of her, but that's like this uh, women empowerment challenge going around. But it makes me, like, the vibe of this album makes me want to go black and white for a while on the gram. Like, I'm just feeling moody. I like the vibes, for sure. It's good. I still, I'm still absorbing it. I just feel like every album, and I don't know if it's because we're the same age or because I'm so obsessed with her, every album gets me right where I'm at in my mood. So, like, Lover, I was, like, super, not that I'm not anymore, but, like, in love and like first year of marriage and like ah, I'm so happy red I just gone through a breakup I was living in Dallas hating everything and it was just like the mood I needed reputation you're a little angry I think there was another breakup in there somewhere <laughs> and then like this I just needed chill 
like every album I'm like you get me so I think there's a lot of like red vibes on this one too there's one particular song now I can't think of which one it was but you know that song um I think it was on red where she did it with the guy from snow patrol it's like, yeah yeah, yeah. last time I'm calling last time yeah um that's exile is it no it's not exile there's another I had another track that reminds me of it did I just talk over a yeah you talked that over was the wrong thing I'm sorry um what'd you say she said she had no idea that you sang and played the guitar until the other day speaking I know, of singing so Thank you. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't really do it as much as I used to, but I was bored. Good. She does um, it all, ladies and gents. She's a... <laughs> uh, you know. Talented. All right, well, shall we leave, uh, read our review of the week before we uh, dig into my mom's life? <laughs> That'll be short. Do it. All right, this one is from Sarah Stuvis, and the cat or the subject it says all the way from Wisconsin, which is dope. Can't believe we have listeners outside of Wilmington. Um, it says, I just realized that I've never left a review before, so here it is. I'm not sure how I came across this podcast, but I'm so glad I did. I get so excited each week when the new podcast is released. You ladies are so down to earth and relatable, and I've and I've enjoyed getting to know both of you through this podcast. Thank you for all that you do. Thanks, Sarah. That was so sweet. And I don't know why, because we got, we thought we had 199 reviews and that we only needed one more, but for some reason we had to get two more for it to say 200. So now it officially says 200 on our reviews and we're stoked. Yeah. yeah. We hit so our goal a year later. <laughs> one year later and we made it. Took you all long enough. Just oh, kidding. No. Thank you so much. I appreciate the reviews. Thank you so much. Keep leaving them. Next goal, 300 by 2022. Not bad. I think it's doable. I think, it, I think it's still doable in less than that, but, you know, people are a little hesitant with their time, I guess, these days, you know, because everyone's so busy. Well, all right, let's get into Mac Attack. Yes. So... Let's just, I mean, obviously we know you well, but why don't you go ahead and just give our listeners a little like elevator pitch intro to who you are, what you do, how you would describe yourself. Oh my gosh. That's such a hard question. Y'all think make it sound so easy. Um, I am Catherine's mom and I actually have another child too. She's my favorite daughter. I have a favorite son. I am a real estate agent. I've been that for 25 years now. So I think a lot of us relate who we are about what our career is all about. Mm -hmm. And I do wrap a lot of who I am in that. Um, been married to Catherine's dad for 37 years, 20 really good ones, 10 <laughs> tough ones. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's all about endurance. So um, we have a a small family. I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is kind of the reason Catherine ended up back here. Mm -hmm. um, currently, I live most of my time in Dallas, but I am trying to get to Wilmington more and more. Um, I'm hoping for that grandbaby so I can be mm -hmm. down here more to help take care of it and be, be the grandma. So that's kind of my elevator speech, I guess, if you could say it that way. And that's good. You covered yeah. a lot. Um, perfect. Yeah, that did cover a lot. So my I don't think I know this story, but 
So you grew up here in Wilmington. How long did you live here? And then like, where did you go to college? And then how did you end up leaving Wilmington slash land in Texas? Oh gosh. Okay, so I am, um, my entire family grew up in this area, Burgall, Watha. We were farmers. My parents' families were both farmers. Um, I am the second person in three generations that's actually left town. I had an uncle that moved with GE Electric, uh, moved around a little bit with his job and ended up coming back. And then I left town. So I left in 1975 is when I graduated from New Hanover. Go Wildcats. Um, and went to Charlotte for a one-year school program. Um, probably one of my biggest regrets in my life is that I didn't do the four-year college. But at that time, it was money was tight. You were paying for it on your own. So that was kind of my calling. Um, and then during that year, I kind of had a tragedy come about. So I ended up kind of running away from that by going to Florida to live for a couple of years and then landed back in Charlotte with uh, a pretty good job there. I've always been very focused on work. Um, that's been my outlet and that's the hardest thing about getting older is changing your outlet from what your focus is to what you really want to do for you instead of what you want to do for your family so that's kind of how I ended up um, out of Wilmington I think I always had in the back of my mind I wanted to come back and when my mom got sick I started coming back more and more and spending weeks at a time with her we ended up buying a house for her to live in Catherine moved down and lived with her. So that kind of stoked my desire to kind of live here at least 50% of the time. Um, I don't think I could leave Dallas 100% now because of my business, but I would like to split that time pretty evenly if I could. So where do you think that the work ethic in you comes from? Because you are the hardest working woman I've ever met. Oh, from my parents, nonstop. My dad held down, uh, my parents were very modest. My mother was a teacher. Um, my whole family on her side were teachers. So she had a, a very good job, worked hard all the time, and I saw how hard that work was. My dad worked for Wholesome Bakeries, which those of you who've been in Wilmington for a long time know that was the bakery around town. But he had a hard job. He worked routes and um, worked two jobs at a time just to kind of make ends meet. And so they were both very hardworking. My first job was when I was, oh gosh, I wasn't even 15 yet because my parents had to sign a permit sheet for me to work. So I had kind of worked almost full time except for school since I was like 15 years old. So, um, uh -huh. and I loved it. I loved it. I think it's important for kids to work. But I also, when I started raising my own children, I felt that they needed to work some, but I thought there were so many experiences I missed because of that, that I wanted them to enjoy. So I was all about being involved in church and activities and sports and always did never force my kids to work, which might've been, you tell me, was that a big thing or? No, I think it was, yeah. it was, well, one, we were super blessed by you and dad to have like the resources to not have to work right. to like pay for college or anything like that, which was really nice but I think it what it did was it pushed us into extracurriculars to figure out what we like to right. do like I was able to instead of getting like a job that maybe paid more during summers at college I was able to work at a summer camp which was my passion every summer and make like nothing you know just to because it was something I loved yeah. and I could do it so I think that was really a huge blessing in our lives for sure. And, I don't, and Jimmy and I are both working now. So oh, yeah. Something, right? I did something right. <laughs> well, I think you always instill that, that ethic of where you come from. Um, I love that my kids have followed their passions to a certain degree. 
Um, I think you do it more than Jimmy does it probably. He's more, he's more focused on the dollars and you're more focused on the passion. Um, yeah. I'd so. say though, I'd say, but he's also passionate about alcohol and he sells it. So that's good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's pretty cool too, like crazy generationally how like it's only one, one generation over like how much different life was for y'all, especially in terms of like the transitioning into the like adult working world. Like neither of my parents went to college either. They just like went straight into getting like moving out and getting a job and living in the city and whatever. And thinking back to like what I did at 18, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is that's like growing up really what is an option for for Catherine and kids? I mean, you were expected to go to college, and now I don't. And I have to say, my something my parents discouraged me, but we were living in a different time then. They were fabulous parents. You could not have asked for better parents than I had growing up. And I think Catherine will adhere to that. The probably the greatest trait my mom and dad had is that they loved each other so much that it showed in everything they did. They were very active in their church and they led a youth group and we never went for, we never lacked for anything in our life. Never. We never knew what we didn't have basically. Um, so it was a great upbringing from that standpoint, but I think their, their ethic of working and contributing to society and to their church and to their community had a big effect on us. Um, or it did on me. I think every daughter's different. Mm -hmm. um, I have two sisters that both live here in the area. Um, and, and a family of cousins. And so one thing when Catherine, I'm getting off topic, when Catherine and Jimmy come down here, they go, is there a birthday to celebrate every single weekend? <laughs> I go, yeah, if you want to celebrate, there's one going on. You just got to make the choice if you, if you want to participate in it or not. But um, it's really funny because, uh, when I moved here, like just one small example is the way our family saturated in this area. I wrecked my car and had to be picked up by a rental car driver um, in the area. And like, he picks me up and, you know, I, I ask him his name, ask him what he's been doing. And I tell him that my family owns an auto park shop in Castle Hayne. He knew everyone in the <laughs> auto park shop. And then I tell him about my papa driving rental cars. And he was like, oh, I know Fred. Like, it was just like, oh, okay, of course you do. Like, in a town of 120,000 people, like, I feel like everyone knows someone in this family in some way. You see, Wilmington's changed so much. When we grew up, there's still that same core that never left. Um, I'm fortunate to have so many of my high school friends that still live here. So when I come home, I get to hang out with them. I've gotten to know their families better. Uh, and that's probably only been in the last 10 years, you know, because you lose track a little bit, but um, the roots go deep. When we were kids, I mean, Eastwood Road, we literally rode our bikes from the college to, to the beach. There was not a soul that you would see in between. I mean, it was that deserted. Um, wow. The town has grown, grown quite a bit. And as a, somebody who grew up here, I love it. I love the growth, but you'll find people that have been raised here forever. Like, oh, well, I mean, everybody's coming here. We don't like this. So secrets out. There's a little bit of both um, out there. Um, but it was a great place to grow up. I mean, those were the days you had freedom. So you would head to the beach in the morning. You didn't have cell phones. I worked at CPAP Marina in high school. We gas boats during the day, ski late afternoon, go to another job at night. So I had a great high school life. I really did. Yeah, you did. Um, it was fun. 
That reminds me of that comment you made about like the the OG people that live here, how they like don't love the growth. Are you a part of the um, like Wilmington community Facebook group? Um, I have a, I watch it a little bit. I watch our high school classroom class group more probably more than that. So, well, there's like a a Wilmington community page yeah. that I joined. I think when we got here to look up whatever I was researching on Facebook or, you know, sell things, get advice, whatever. And I always just laugh so hard looking at the comments on there because it's, I feel like this is wrong to say, but there's, there's never like normal people that are just being nice and like commenting on there. It's always like all these like outlandish people and, and the OGs who are like enough with the transplants. Like there'll be some <laughs> And they'll be like, hi, my wife and I are looking to move to Wilmington this spring. Like, these are the areas we're looking at. Can we get some thoughts on it? And all these people will comment and be like, it smells like trash everywhere. The water is horrible. <laughs> like, we're full. Like, we don't need any more people. Oh, oh my gosh, it's funny. That's oh, my funny. gosh. Yeah, if you ever need just some entertainment, go read the comments on that. That's good to know because a couple of years ago, I went ahead and I've I have a real estate team in Dallas that does pretty well. So I went ahead and got my real estate license in Wilmington, mainly because I thought if we retire here, what will I do? I mean, I can't imagine not having my hand in something. Yeah. So I went ahead and got it there. And I will tell you, real estate down here is a little bit different than Dallas, but I do love it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely a different vibe. Well, the vibe, city. the vibe yeah. is coastal, like you said. Like, it's oh, yeah. just everything's more relaxed, especially transitioning from Dallas, which is, like, not relaxed. It's very much, like, structured. Everyone works. Everyone, not that everyone doesn't work here, yeah. but it's a nine to five situation. You work hard, play hard kind of thing. Yeah. We're here. It's all like mixed in between. Yeah. I kind of like the vibe. I'm just wondering, I was, I had my first client the other day on Friday and I, I left and I was driving back home. I was, we were looking at beach properties and I'm coming home going, do I really want to work here? <laughs> so I am looking for three good agents to work on our team here. So if anybody out there is listening to this, yeah, I am looking for that right now, but um, it's a beautiful city. I mean, where could you live that you have water on three sides? Um, it's just, there's, there's just something about, I don't know, when I get off the plane, my, I just feel at ease. It's kind of like all the emotion and the anxiety kind of goes out of my body when I land here. So, um, and I'm tickled to death that Catherine and Michael decided to make it home because that would have been my, I wouldn't come back if it wasn't for them. Cause I, I am determined to live near my grandchildren when I have them. So that is my goal. It's nice to have best of both worlds and that you have the flexibility especially like in the job that you do to be able to do that and just kind of make those calls well you put things up but I think it's I never lived near my parents when my kids were growing up and I would I think I saw them a lot and I would say you'd say you were pretty close with all your grandparents but um I still would love to be the one that can pick them up on Tuesday so you can have date night that can you know, grab them so you can have a break. I'd love to be that close to be able to do that. I say that now because on how good they are, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that too. <laughs> I would love the help. <laughs> I know that's one, one thing we talk about sometimes is we don't have like any family in the area and it's just different. Like we have an amazing community that I know is going to support us, but it's just different. Like you don't feel as guilty when you leave your kid with, 
family versus, you know, asking a friend to come watch yeah. them for you. So she, I bet she'll be down here a ton. So, and y'all get yeah. one thing I admire about, about Catherine is that she moved, she, she's always had a great community. Um, she's always had tons of friends and that's a whole other story, but she moved here and immediately got involved. Um, and really surrounded herself with such a great group. She's had made such good friends here. Um, and it's funny how the paths have intercrossed like a couple of her friends. I go, yeah, I went to school with her mom. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, we, we've all kind of intertwined and she's actually friends with a lot of the kids of friends I went to school with and have stayed in touch with. So it's been kind of nice. That's crazy. Yeah, that is cool. Well, kind of speaking on the real estate front, you said you've been doing that for 20 something years now. So that means you've been doing that well into Catherine and Jimmy's childhood. I started when we moved to Texas. We moved, we lived in Charlotte when we first got married. Then we went to Richmond, Virginia, lived there eight years. Uh, Catherine was born in Richmond, Jimmy in, in Charlotte. Uh, when you were four, we moved to Texas. We moved to Texas. Uh, my husband's job, we opened up a territory there. He was the manufacturer's rep. So we moved to Texas. I laugh with my clients now and say, yeah, I went to Texas kicking and screaming, but I learned to love it because it's Texas is just big, wide open spaces. Homes are on postage stamps. You think we'd be on big acreage, but we're not, at least not in the city. So when I got to Dallas, my goal was I'm going to stay home with my kids. I'm going to do the mommy thing, enjoy it. <laughs> that lasted about a year. Um, I got into doing day trading on stocks online and getting dressed just to, just in time enough to run and get my kids from school. So I thought I really need a something else to devote my time to. So I got my real estate license um, with the intention of just doing investment properties and then kind of just fell in love with the process. It's such a different, it's not a sales job, uh, although you do have to use your, your skill set for that and your fiduciary responsibility with finances, but it's a people job because you're, you're really learning people. And I mean, y'all work with one of my favorite agents here in town and you know that you get into relationship with that person and they become really your friend and family before it's all over with. So I love that aspect of what I do. I've been fortunate enough that um, I don't cold call. I don't pick up the phone and I, I've worked mainly through referrals from my clients and friends and that sort of thing. And we've built a pretty good business that way. Um, and that's the scary part about starting over is, you know, you're starting over in a different environment. Um, but the good thing is I don't have to work as hard now as I did back then. Yeah. Um, that's the good thing. And it, it's something I'm comfortable with, but it's hard sometimes to find peace with that when you're, when you've always been one to excel. So I love the fact that you girls follow your passions and have really figured out, Hey, I love this. I want to do it. I think I've always supported Catherine in doing that too. Oh, absolutely. You know? I think that the good thing, one of the, the best things about your position and one of the reasons why Chelsea and I both chose to start our own businesses is, is the flexibility in that like you can work and be a mom mm -hmm. at the same time I mean sometimes you're better at one than the other because you're <laughs> just we're all distracted but you're at least in the same home as your kids and able to take them to practices and yeah. plays and all the things and still be involved but also still have an identity and contributing yeah it's I, I always laugh with Catherine said I was always physically at everything my kids did mentally I might not have been there and they learned to read my signals pretty well but um I never missed anything because I could juggle my schedule around and I worked out of the house so they always had their play dates at the house and 
they had they knew when the hand rose up it means be quiet mom's on the phone and <laughs> there were signals yeah we had little signals that they learned pretty quickly but um, it's yeah. a fabulous career though for a working mom yeah it really is um yeah that was going to be the next thing i touched on was that like you know that finding that balance and i think a job like yours and like Catherine and i have it's i feel very fortunate that I can still have an identity and a career and like not quote unquote, give up on a dream because I can be flexible and still work from home. But I think for so many women that, you know, don't necessarily have that flexibility in their, in their schedules, there's a, there's so much pressure one way or the other. It's like, and there's this fine line of, okay, do I, do I keep working just to like pay someone else to, have my kid in daycare practically because of the, how much it costs these days. Right. Or do I, and you know, and then you get criticized for that or for being selfish or whatever it might be. And then there's the opposite end where you might get criticized for not working or being lazy, even though obviously that is completely bogus. Um, That's probably but, one of the best things that came, that has come out of the pandemic is people have seen women that work in the true light and men that work in the true light because we've done so many zooms even our anchor people and people on the news and you with everyone's knows now we have children in our background we have dogs barking at us we all have messy kitchens we have balanced lives um and so many careers your your home life is divided distinctly between your work life and in real estate or what you girls are doing there's that overlap my clients always knew what's you talk about your family you talk about your kids yeah i have two kids no i can't show your house then because catherine's got a concert that night let me do it a little bit before that time their your family becomes their family and they respect you for that but for for businesses that didn't have that before the pandemic has opened up that um that window that we've had closed and said hey we can all do this we can all do everything if we have a little bit of flexibility a screaming child in the background is not a big deal anymore where right. it used to be horrifying if you were on a conference call and a kid made a noise yep. uh, and that's gone away so we've had a few good things come out of this crazy time as far as work goes and i think that's one of yeah them. i agree yeah. i think with and also with like social media, all you see is everyone's perfectly balanced life. So it's almost um, refreshing to see a kid screaming in the background or a messy kitchen of someone who you thought was on this pedestal because then you're realizing like, oh, everyone's just as hectic as I am right now and doing the best that they can with what they have. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, like we've talked about before, I think when we had um, – Laura on or maybe when we were on hers and we we're talking about how like no one really has it all together when it comes to yeah adulting and like you know you're never gonna have the laundry done and an incessantly clean kitchen or everything under control at the same time it's just not reality when you're not the best photographer when you're there and when you edit those pictures you're not the best or you're not the best personal trainer or yeah. you're not the best fiduciary to your clients you can have all the chaos and still have that too yeah. um, the world is going to be a lot more accepting of that as we move forward um just if you think about large companies i work i've got a client right now that's basically been at home he'll be at josh will be at home till the end of the year he works for capital one and he said it's you know it's not unusual for him to be holding a kid on a conference call right now 
that's become the norm in his world where before his children were really on the outside. Yeah. So, um, that might be the only good thing that came out of this, but hey, <laughs> it's something, right? That and, that and Taylor Swift's yeah, album. Yeah, Taylor Swift's album, maybe. <laughs> I, think, I think the longer this year goes on, I mean, we're almost in August, the more open I think we all are getting to, like, actually see the good in it, even though it there has not been a lot. I think we're all finally starting to get to that point of being like, okay, maybe we can pick out these little bits and pieces of light or the darkness. Yeah, the closer we get to 2021 and, and hoping that maybe next year we'll have a clean slate. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that that's going to happen, but I think one of my favorite months, I'll have to say, was April. I kind of enjoy not feeling that stress of, of slowing down enough that I sat on my driveway in the afternoon and played with the kids that ran around our street and you know did things that I normally would never take the time to do. Mm -hmm. um, when I was home, I, I met my neighbors, you know, I did things with friends virtually sometimes, but that I didn't have time to do before. So, um, I slept late, you know, I, did, I got off with a schedule that I was on really tight. So, and I'm trying to, since I'm trying to ease in retirement is stick with some of those traits I learned in April and not slip back into my old routines, which is very easy to do sometimes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It is so cool too to like to think that you know next year or however many years from now we can listen back to these episodes of like the year in review and just like listen to the different phases that we all went through and like what was going around I don't know if you saw the um the Trey Kennedy video about like the phases of 2020 was um, it the tick on TikTok no he put it out on um Instagram and Facebook I'll have to send it to you it's hilarious because it's going through like how everyone felt at the beginning like oh man we're gonna go on lockdown for like we're gonna be working indefinitely for like from home for like a few weeks like this is <laughs> yeah, I know. and we were really freaked out about that <laughs> and then now here we are like nine months later and <laughs> well and then, like, the funny part is like in the beginning of 2020 everyone was like new decade it's gonna be the best year yet I got a good feeling about this year and then like what yeah. Yeah, that's not pretty good. Yeah, I was yeah. in Wilmington when all this started. I was with some friends of mine from Dallas that had come with me. And of course, she's online hearing about the schools are getting shut down. And I'm just clueless on this. Literally, we got back in that week, they shut the schools yeah. down. This is my first trip. This is my first time out of town since then. And I'll tell you, it, I know I'm being careful and I'm doing the whole mask and whatever, but it really felt good to get on the plane. Mm -hmm. um, I think that. Uh, I feel like it's probably even safer now like you don't have to sit next to people and like you can be so much more spaced out and I've heard people say that the airport was like the, the most or the least stressful it's ever been because it's so um, empty. It's, there's not the chaos um you know you do, like you say I had a road in myself everything was clean it was, yep. it was pretty easy now I know that it's not for everyone and I'm not saying that everyone should travel and it's not like I'm going to travel to a busy place but I did, mm -hmm. it did feel good to leave town. So that's yeah. the thing I miss the most is my freedom. Me too. Yeah. I think we all could get, have a dose of that. Yeah. And feel pretty good about it. Well, <clears throat> one more thing I want to ask you before we ask like our normal ending questions is obviously I met Catherine when she was 29-ish. Yeah, 28, 29. Nine. So... I'd love to hear what she was like growing up as a kid and maybe like 
one of your favorite stories about Catherine? Just one? <laughs> Maybe two. I mean. Okay, so Catherine growing up was perfect. She, she was a she was a easy child to raise. I don't think I ever had a conflict with Catherine at all until she was really in her mid twenties, where we we have similar personalities on certain things and we butted heads. But other than that, I don't think I ever had a conflict with her before that time, uh, which is hard to say with girls in their teenage years. She was blessed with a lot of friends that are still her friends to this day. So she values those relationships good. So our house was the house that always had not one or two friends, but eight to 12. Um, and we were real fortunate that a lot of those girls, we were, I was friends with their moms too. So we had a great mother daughter group growing up through what elementary school through high school. Yeah. really. Um, and probably when Catherine, when all the girls, when all the kids went off to high school, I've missed that more than anything is that camaraderie we had with all the parents because we lost a little bit of that and the girls drifted off. Um, but she was a fun kid. It was always, she was always upbeat. She was one of those that tried to, if somebody was sad, she wanted to fix them. So she was the peacemaker, um, probably didn't stand up for herself as much sometimes because she was always trying to make sure everybody was happy in the room. Everybody knew what they were doing, but she did have some funny stories. What story would you like me to tell, Catherine? I don't know what I, which one I want you to tell. Um, there's so many. Pick a decade. <laughs> we do one in each decade. Um, when she was little, she went through, um, I would have to call it an awkward stage. Yes. What, sixth and seventh grade? No, it was like, it was long. It was like fourth, fourth through at least seventh or eighth grade. Just like, I don't care. You know, it's all about getting somewhere fast. And so, I was gross. I had no hygiene. No hygiene at all. Oh, my God, it was horrible. <laughs> she would literally go to bed in the clothes she was going to wear to school, and I would hand her a toothbrush as she's running down the stairs so she'd at least brush her teeth before she hopped into carpool. Which, so, to me, is just, like, efficient. Crazy now, but it was true. <laughs> it just makes sense. Like, I don't care what I look like, so I might as well just sleep and get longer sleep and wear what I'm gonna wear the next day who cares if it's a little wrinkly you know and I was one of those moms that picked my battles and having clean well hygiene kits was probably not one of them so um so uh, that, that was kind of a funny time of her life and then high school she was involved in so much she was on the go all the time we made a point of always having as much as we could at our house we had the room to do it and the pool in the backyard and we had the garage that we could party so we made a point to have the kids at our house a lot and I probably missed that more than anything when we sold our house what two years ago and sad. we downsized the kids were freaking out but I had all of her girlfriends calling me going where are we gonna go Miss Collins when we come home for Christmas and I was like guys we've still got a house just not the same one so um but it was it was she was she was fun to raise um um for the most part. And then the 20s hit. <laughs> the 20s, well, you know, and you know, she talks about her eating disorder a lot. Unfortunately, I was unaware of it for probably the first two years of it because she was living in Dallas, close to me. I saw her eating well, I saw her exercising, and I don't eat well and I don't exercise. So to me, I thought, oh man, my child is healthy. So it really took a few of my friends bringing it to my attention before I recognized she was struggling with that. Um, and I think because of that it was probably a little bit harder for her to talk to me about it in the beginning. Well, I think in the beginning of anything that you're hiding in life, you don't want to talk to anyone about it. 
yeah. because you don't barely even want to talk to yourself about it and admit that it's a thing. You want to just hide it as long as possible. And I think I almost used you in the beginning as a way of saying like, I'm fine. Even my mom thinks I'm healthy. Yeah. Like my mom sees me eat, but I was lying to you too. And I was hiding it from you as well. So there's no way you would have known, you know, and, and, and I'm probably was part of the problem because all my life, my weights fluctuate. I can, I can gain and lose 20 pounds in a year. Every other year I do. I've done it my whole life. My mom had the same problem or probably not the same problem. It's the same way she was. So I'm sure as, as a young child and an adult, you always see us dieting, not dieting, dieting, not dieting. So we didn't set the best example in our household. I think, unfortunately, I don't think it's just you. I think it's that generation. Like, I think that yo-yo dieting was brought to society around the time when you were adulting. Mm -hmm. And so it's a fad that anyone and every mom probably jumped on and the kids innately see it and don't even realize that they're taking it in. And you don't even realize that you're, you're telling us to do that. You know, like it's not, it's nothing as, um, what's the word intended. It's just, it naturally happened, you know? And that was Fast food became so popular, so we figured if we gave them chicken nuggets, that was so much better than eating something else. And quite frankly, because it was cheap, yeah. <laughs> I used to laugh and say Catherine's vegetable of the day was ketchup. You know? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like our our era of like foods and stuff. You know, when you go on like the um, BuzzFeed articles, like best memories of the nineties yeah. and all that stuff, and all the foods that come up, I'm just like, we probably lived through the most like processed oh yeah era ever when it came to like you know the drinks and the uh, fruit roll-ups and the dunkaroos and all the crap that was that was out the there. that we thought was healthy that's, that's processed you girls have done a great job your generation's done a great job of getting back to eating right fix fixing the problems that we had because i i truly believe with the with the problems I hear of having children and miscarrying that a lot of that has to do with the processed foods we put into your bodies years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's any science behind that, but I think there's got to have something to do with it. When I think back to, to like, all, like you said, not that it's anyone's like fault that women struggle the way they do today. But even my mom will say like, I don't remember, you know, feeling this way body image wise. And I, Sometimes I'd be like, well, I remember you saying this or that or kind of going through this phase. I think every woman struggles with it. But I think our generation does, especially with social media and all that. I think obviously that exacerbates it a lot. But it's always been around. And I think back to like watching like friends, parents and stuff or like just the, the different trends that were going on in our growing up years like weight watchers and like mm-hmm. slip fast atkins diet south beach diet and like all the infomercials and they're just like con- you're just constantly being fed this quick fix narrative and it was never about like eating healthy. oh you should probably exercise and like live this healthy lifestyle it was always about like restriction or take this and this will happen or i remember i was over at my friend's house one time and we were in their basement and I saw like cases and cases of Slim Fast cans, like those shakes that they used to have. And my friend being like, oh, 
you can't tell anyone that my mom drinks these. Like she doesn't want anyone to know. I just have that like vivid memory thinking, oh my gosh, like how crazy is that? That oh, if there's that a diet, it used to be so like taboo to be on a diet, but yet it was being shoved butt down everyone's throat constantly. Yeah. But the, the funny part is when I, when Catherine, and she never went through a, a, we call it her chubby stage because that was just what we called it. And that when she was like four or five, fourth and fifth grade. But I don't think I ever expressed that on you. I think you felt it from your friends. Cause yeah. just like me growing up, I was one of the larger ones in my group of friends. You were too, you know, you just had a growth spurt that happened before then, but girls are girls put this pressure on themselves all the time. Uh, and I think the fact that you, one of the things I'm proudest of with what y'all do with the podcast is, is being authentic and bringing this to light. Um, even though it hits home that probably I should point my finger at myself sometimes. I think it's, I think it's good that you're doing this for other women. So. Well, I think that the reason it needs to be talked about is because it's something that all women are guilty of. Yes. Thought, thought wise or action wise, like we've all processed our weight in some unhealthy way and it needs to, I don't, I don't think it'll ever stop, but I think it needs to be talked about more. So that's not as taboo to hide slim fast in a, you know, basement and we can be more authentic that way. So. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Well, I feel like we've been talking, I feel like that went by so fast, but it's been yeah. like 40 minutes, right? Yeah. At least um, almost an hour. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, time flies when you're having fun. So we'll finish up by asking you our, our four questions that we ask yeah. every guest. And I should know these by heart because I do listen to your podcast, but I honestly. Yeah, do you want to just like answer them yourself? <laughs> <laughs> ask yourself. <laughs> so what is one thing that you're currently binging or obsessed with? Oh, I've been binging Netflix big time lately. Um, I think because. What shows? Um, I got hooked on The American not long ago. Just finished that. I'm finishing up Yellowstone right now. Yeah. Um, good. I'm really looking for something good. So I am too. You know what's funny is, do you remember as a kid when we were obsessed with the Babysitter's Club? Yeah. So they did, like, I read the book, watched the TV show, watched had, I memorized the movie. It's it like over there's a redo on Netflix right now. And it's like, so, I mean, it's very like full house, like life lesson corny kind of style. But I feel like every show that Michael and I have watched in the last, like, I don't know, ten, five, 10 years has been so dark that we have been like the last five days binging Babysitter's Club, which is so cheesy, but it's like, it's, I don't know. He, it's just like happy. Like we yeah. leave like filled up and yeah. of. And nostalgic. I want to watch it. Just I used to be obsessed with the books and the yeah. movies well, as a kid too. And I, so on Saturday I wasn't feeling well, so I watched a lot of TV. And at one point, Michael went to run, run some errands, and I he came home and I saw that the Babysitters Club movie was on Amazon for free. So I started watching the movie just to see if I remembered it. I remembered like lines and songs. Really? Like, wow. The character arcs like I remembered so much I was like this is this was 20 it was 1995 so however long ago that was Catherine has an inability to remember every line of every movie yeah I am really song. good at that she is so good at that wow I'm also really good at people's names like I'll yeah, remember yeah a name right away 
which is good for coaching and being a camp counselor. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not very good at either one of those. So, <laughs> okay. Our next question is what is <laughs> always hard to answer this one, but what is something you're looking forward to in the rest of the year? Oh, Lordy. Um, I think now that I've done my first trip, um, dad and I are kind of looking forward to spending November and December here. Yeah. We were kind of making the plan. We have a dog, so he doesn't travel as much anymore because of that. So we're looking forward to driving the car down or him driving me, flying and meeting him and bringing the dog and spending some extended time. Cause everyone keeps asking me, well, does Jim want to move here? And I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> he says he does, but I think he needs to spend some time here to yeah. see if he could, if he could get used to it. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to the end of the year to doing that. So I don't think I've met your dad yet. He only comes when it's like a holiday. Yeah. He doesn't, he won't leave the dog at all. It's crazy. Well, and when you come, when my mom comes, she comes for like two weeks at a time sometimes, most times, like a week to two weeks at least. And yeah. I think that for him being a homebody, that's like daunting yeah. to like be away that long. Um, then, although he is retired and he can do that. Oh, he so, yeah. absolutely can. <laughs> yeah likes to be at home. Hey, so. you learned that if you've got somebody you're with that doesn't like to travel, you just have to do it anyway. So, <laughs> and that's what I do. So if it works, it works. Um, what is something that you love about yourself? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, I like my confidence that I am Although I have fear, I think I can overcome it very quickly. Um, I can see past to the other side. So I, nothing scares me too much, which I think that's a good trait to have. I'm never afraid to do something. I, I would agree with that for you. You're the best person to have around in a moment of crisis. Yeah, like, I'm pretty good in crisis. Like if something really terrible is happening, even if it's something that me and Jimmy might have been embarrassed about, like a car wreck or something, it's like, we need mom because she can handle this. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of the, the fixer. My love language is a doer and a fixer. So although that can be annoying, I think for my kids a lot of times because they think I'm trying to control them, it does come in handy sometimes too. So yeah, and I'm sure you've heard the story. So yeah. <laughs> the rolling I'm not rolling, I'm yeah. smiling. <laughs> But that's, that's kind of my love language is being a doer and a fixer. What can I do to help you? Um, and that's um, this trip. I, I've had all these things I wanted to do to help. Because I really haven't helped you at all with the house since you moved in. Yeah. But I fell and hurt my arm bad. So we've really done nothing. absolutely nothing. So I think yeah. that that is God telling you, you need to rest. You did, did a good job. I can get <laughs> <on> my butt. <laughs> like physically, I'm going to shut you down so that you have to actually rest when you're not at home. Yeah, you. enough with all that doing stuff. Like you just yeah. gotta. Yeah, I'm not a love language where I, I do sweet stuff all the time, but I'm a I'm a giver from that standpoint. So that's that's um, true. Um. All right. Last question is: If you could tell women one thing, what would it be? Not what I told you earlier. What did you tell me earlier? No, I can't do that. Um, I would say don't be afraid to try something. Um, don't be afraid to don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Um, nobody really is watching you except for you, um, and most people are very supportive with that. I was on a conference call this morning, and one of the 
the guys leading the call was quoting something. He it, one of the things he said I kind of caught my eye for today. It said, "The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is right now." So if you want to do something, don't say, "Oh man, I should have done that 20 years ago." Do it right now. Yeah, start yeah. now. Start now. It's not too late to start something new. So um, that's good, and I think that that's also evidence. Uh, evident in how you lived your young adult life too. We have a lot of listeners who are nervous about moving or career changes or school transitions. And one thing that we have on a podcast coming up with our friend Veronica is like, you never know until you try. And one of the lessons that she learned is you can always change your mind. Yeah. Like if you try and it doesn't work out, you can always go back or try something different. Um, you did that as, as a young adult, moving to Charlotte and then Florida and then Richmond and then Dallas and leaving home. That, not very, or very taboo in your family, but you really. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, in fact, I asked my mom as I got older, I was like, how did you feel about me just saying one day, hey, I'm moving to Florida? She goes, I was sad and I was shocked, but I knew it was something you needed to do. Yeah. Um, so. I think that's another thing this year has taught us all is like, we didn't really have to make any choices. A lot of things just kind of stopped working or we, you know, came across a lot of different obstacles and had to just pivot and like figure it out or change paths or let go of something or start something new. And I think that's hopefully another one of the good things that can carry us through to when things are a little more normal, quote unquote. Yeah, Jaren A, when we interviewed her a couple weeks ago, I loved her answer for what is something you love about yourself, and it stuck with me. It's made me think, especially with everything that I've been through this year, is she said, I'm resilient, and I feel like as a whole, like, the world is very resilient right now with probably the worst of years we've had, and then I'm thinking back on, like, our lives or my life specifically of like things that I thought I could never get through and I did it. And you just like wake up and you breathe the next day and you start over, you know, like you're every day you're given, you can, you have a chance to like be resilient and get, get through something. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest thing when you have kids is that when you cannot fix something that they're going through, you know, yeah. and it breaks your heart and there's nothing you can do. Um, and you, you're strong in front of them, but behind the scenes, you're just a, you know, a ball of mess because you can't make what they're going through any better. Um, but again, it always usually works out. So, and if you think back on times in your life, oh, yeah. the hard times, unfortunately, and fortunately are the times that make us who we are. So if we don't go through these tough things as difficult as they are, we don't learn lessons that we could have learned. True. You know, otherwise, although I wish there was like an, a, another way to teach me some of these lessons, like another Taylor Swift album or something, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if only we could just have an album for every crisis. <laughs> I feel like I do at this point. Yeah. All right. Well, that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Well, thank y'all for having me on. I have listened to every single one of your podcasts. It's my we Wednesday all, morning ritual. We always joke yeah. it in the beginning. We thought only our moms <laughs> That's, that's probably we are only like diehard OG listeners, like yeah. every episode. So we appreciate it. Yeah, there's a few I have to fast forward through when you're talking the reality TV shows. <laughs> I can't stand that. 
Well, lucky for you, The Bachelor has been, you know, delayed oh, and delayed. Oh. Don't worry, it's coming back though. They're filming The Bachelorette, so we'll we'll come back to y'all, listeners, with some recaps. I'm not super stoked for this season. I have to say, I wish we could just skip to Matt James's season, but that's fair. You know, that's I, fair. I cannot do reality TV of any kind. I left the other night. They started to watch something. I was like, Real Housewives. Yeah. I'm like really into Real Housewives right now. So. Well, all right, mom, we love you. Thanks love for you being too. on the podcast. Thanks for raising me. Good to see you, sweetheart. Can't wait to meet that little baby. And listeners, we love you and we will talk to you next week.